Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Be a Foster podcast. My name is Ashley Ray, and I am your host for this podcast. This is episode three of the Be a Foster podcast, and today we are with the one and only Melissa Arms. Hello, everybody. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much for doing this Thanks. with me and for My taking pleasure. the time to have these conversations. So as a reminder, just in case people are listening to this podcast for the very first time. The idea of the Be a Foster podcast is to really initiate those real conversations with families like Melissa and yours, institutions and political leaders around the globe to share different initiatives, real resources, and real life stories about foster care from a variety of perspectives. And we know episode two was with your daughter, Haley. Yes. So that was nice. We got the, you're wearing her shirt, the Kindness yep. Over Everything Project, yep. and we got the perspective of a sibling. Um, so that was great. So now we're getting a different perspective with you as the mom who's mm-hmm. been doing foster care. So getting pers- uh, the different perspectives is really important. And, you know, just th- the whole goal of these podcasts, um, the Be a Foster podcast is a part of the overall Be a Foster movement. And this movement is really meant to create conversation and understanding around the overall impacts of foster care and the undeniable need of loving foster families like yours. Mm-hmm. We know the numbers are staggering. Mm-hmm. I've shared in other podcasts that there are on average 437,000 U.S. kids in foster care and only about 200,000 homes like ours Mm -hmm. that provide those services to these children. And so by sharing stories like yours um, and stories from different organizations like the Kindness Over Everything Project and from our political leaders, being able to share those stories from all those different perspectives, we really want to, again, create that understanding, break down some of those maybe misconceptions Mm -hmm. about foster care create realistic expectations of what the foster care experience is going to be all about. Um, Number two, we want to provide support outlets for current foster families. And then the last thing is just ultimately, hopefully, encourage families to make an impact in the life of a child and be a foster. So that is the podcast and the movement in a nutshell. Okay. So now that I have just puked all out on everybody, (laughs) um, let's just jump right into your story and your family's story and how it is that you got involved in foster care. Well, um, I have two of my own children, Haley and Hillary. They are 16, almost 17, and 15. And um, my husband, Chuck, and I, you know, we kind of always envisioned that we would have a larger family, but we just never did. And we, um, we made the decision not to be aggressive about having more kids. You know, we took the stance of what will be, will be. And if it's meant to be, it will happen. And, um, I would go through times of baby fever, you know, mm-hmm. wishing yes. that way. Most of us yep. do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, um, so about a year and a half ago, he and I were talking and I said, you know, we're getting close to empty nest here and we're, we're young and it just doesn't feel right. And maybe we should adopt. And his initial reaction was, oh, I don't know about that. Maybe we should just do foster care. And I don't know how serious he was about that. But my personality type is um, like, I get an idea and just run with it. And um, so he should have known better. really. <laughs> but anyway, so um, first thing was that we had to run it by our kids and um it's a family endeavor for sure um and we we knew that but now we really know that yeah. and so um we brought the idea up to the girls and um 
their initial response was, I would say about like 95% positive. Their initial concerns were, um, you know, it's the same as ours. They were uncomfortable with um, kids that would be close to the same age as them. And so we just kind of carved out what would fit into our family as far as ages. And, um, and then me being who I am, I called County and got all the information I could get almost immediately and set up the first visit with Sadie Olson who licensed us. And, um, so pretty much it was me texting Chuck, Hey, you have to be home at five on this Wednesday because they're coming to look at our house. Or whatever. Like what I did yep, my husband. Yep. And he was like, Whoa, Whoa, what, what? But everybody was on board. Um, everybody was on board and nervous. And I, I just, I want people to know that that's normal. I mean, of course you're going to be nervous. You know, you feel like you don't know what you're getting into. Um, but I'm wondering if you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And wondering, you know, you, you want, you ask yourself, I think I still do all you ask yourself all the time. Like, are we, are we enough for these kids? Um, and, and we absolutely are. And many other people absolutely are too, if you give yourself the chance. So, um, so that, that's how we got started. It was, I don't want to say on a whim, but it was just in a normal conversation. And I, that's just that's how I am. I just that, run with it. That's something that was placed on your heart though. You know, yes. it's not just something that one day you, out of the blue, right. out of your pocket. So right. Yeah. yeah. We, we longed for more kids in the home. We just didn't know what path was going to get us there. You know, for a long time, we didn't know what path was going to get us there. And now I know that this is our path. Definitely. And so, um, so we got licensed and, um, we, I think our, I think we got our home study on a Wednesday and then the following Monday, um, they called with our first placement, um, opportunity. And it happened to be that my husband, Chuck had just left Monday morning to go on vacation and go yeah. hang out with one of his friends in South Dakota. And so he was on the road driving to South Dakota and said, Call, you know, said they called and we, he and I talked about it and, and, um, I said, yep, let's, let's take them. Let's do it. I'm ready. And he offered to turn around and come back and just be home. But, you know, I was like, no, I can handle this. You go do vacation. Um, in hindsight, he would have been fine, but it was actually okay that he wasn't home because the, the first week was very trying as far as, um, it, the kids were very scared very nervous, very shy. Um, and how many did you welcome? Two, two. Okay. Yes. Two. And I'll never forget the day that the car pulled up with the social worker with the kids and, and got them out of the car. And, um, and I just knew they need to be here. They, They just, they need to be here. And, um, so that was August of last year. Okay. And so, um, Things that we experienced in the beginning that I think are very normal, but you don't necessarily anticipate maybe, is that um, kids can be very scared to be alone when they've been in a situation where maybe the only people or person they've been attached to, they've been removed from. That's the reality, as sad as that is. And we, as adults, I think, tend to think, well, you know, if that wasn't a great situation, why would you be upset to be out of it? It doesn't matter to kids. If it's their mom, their dad, their, whoever their caregiver that they've known their whole life, mm-hmm. 
it doesn't matter how bad we look at it and think, oh, that must have been horrible. Their reality is what they know. Mm -hmm. And they are still being torn away from that. And so um, we we got through all that, you know, um, sleeping issues are common. Mm -hmm. Um, If you think about abuse and neglect, typically a lot of those things happen at night, unfortunately, or even... um, just think of scary, horrible things that happen to kids, you know, especially if there's drugs involved or anything like that. A lot of that happens after dark and it's really normal for them to be nervous after dark. I can say that we've experienced that with the majority of the children that we've had in our home too, is the the trauma that is in the evening, you know, Mm -hmm. whether you're putting them to bed or Mm -hmm. it's in the middle of the night and they wake up. Mm -hmm. There are things that have happened in those evening hours that are triggered. Yeah, you know it's amazing. Sometimes it can even be a consistent time that something happened, and even though they're not in that environment anymore, it's their bodies are being triggered, mm-hmm. their brains are being triggered by like that timing mm-hmm. of things. Um, you know, I've heard of other stories like this, and I can give an example. Um, you know, if a child has been in a situation where maybe they were locked in a room or a bathroom or a certain area of a home at some point in their life as a punishment or just to get them out of the way. Um, you know, you might not be able to figure out why, why would you be so scared to take a bath? And if you think about what they may have been through, everything makes that sense. Trauma. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, so the first, you know, that we have now been through several firsts, Okay. you know, okay. and so. How many would you say kiddos have you had in your home? Uh, five. Five. Mm-hmm. And that's been over a year. Yeah, over a year. A little over a year. Yep. Okay. A little over a year. Okay. Yep. So, um, so we've been through several first nights, first weeks, first months. And um, I know now that I can absolutely positively tell myself it, it will get better. And it does. Um, love and learning to trust people and fitting into a family heals these kids without a doubt. Without a doubt. So, um, so everybody that's doing it or thinking about doing it, it, it is not easy in the beginning sometimes. Um, and you will get through it and it gets better. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say that every child situation is going to be different. Absolutely. Every placement is different. Just everything is different. And, mm-hmm. you know, the things that you've experienced, we maybe have not. What we've experienced, you maybe mm-hmm. have not. And some of those things we have experienced together. Mm-hmm. I mean, but Every child is going to be different, but know that I think it is just that reality that it is hard. Yeah. And it's going to be hard in your own way, whether it's hard because there was maybe some trauma that was involved that you're trying to figure out how to work through, work through with them, mm-hmm. yeah. Or maybe it's a different way in which you're being challenged in the sense of you know your routine or your schedule isn't exactly what it used to be, yep. and that's and, thrown for a wrench. And right it now. all hits you at the same time. Right? <laughs> yes, it really does. Somebody once said to me, or I read somewhere, and I I think about this all the time. Um, like when you have a child that is behaving in a strange way, or uh, having behavior issues, or you can't figure out why why don't they sleep, or why don't they, you know, why do they cry all the time? So um, I have started instead of asking myself what is wrong with this kid, we want to ask ourselves, what has happened to them? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a totally different way of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Changes your perspective. Totally. 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 
because again, we need to remember that these children are in foster care for a reason. And, you know, I think it's safe to say you were talking a little bit about how you guys got licensed and <clears throat> we didn't go into detail, but you know, every, every state is different. Mm-hmm. Every agency is different. Every process will be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So depending on where you are and you're listening to this, um, you know, your process might be different than mm-hmm. how it was for us. Um, I don't even know what I was just going to say. I think I got sidetracked by oh. something, but, um, you know, I, I don't even know, but every situation is going to be different yep. and every experience is going to be different and the challenges, they're going to be there, but I love, like you said, you will get through them. You oh know? yeah. I mean, it is hard. Like, yeah. Let's be real. It is hard. Um, but you are going to get through that. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the benefits and the rewards of providing that so far outweigh the struggle. Oh, that's what I was just going to say is um, the kids. When we were talking about the kiddos, again, we need to remember that the reason they're in foster care is because they have come from an extreme environment, whether it was neglect, whether it was abuse. And so you can't just expect these kiddos to come into your home and function as if your own biological children or right. So the nephews function. So I'm reading a book right now and I should have read it a long time ago. And I recommend it to anybody that just longs to understand more about kids in foster care or people that are living in poverty. Um, it's called a framework for understanding the poverty mindset. Okay. It's by Ruby Payne. And it's, it's absolutely eye opening. Um, and one of the things in there is talking about, so we know that most of the kids that are coming into foster care are experiencing some form of poverty. Poverty is relative. We also know that. And there's situational poverty where there was maybe a death in the family and now we have a single mom that doesn't have a job. Okay, that's a situation. Yeah. Or it can be generational, um, you know, meaning that for generations a family has experienced poverty for whatever reason. And... Um, one of the things that stands out in that book is when she talks about every every class. So, um, you know, the middle class, we have our own unwritten rules, sort of, for how we act around each other, how we act in our home, how we act in public. Um, the rich upper class, they have their own set of unwritten rules. And so do kids who come from poverty. And we don't always know what their unru- unwritten rules are. Yeah. And so I've, I'm learning so much from that book. It's very interesting. Um, and what was the name of the book again? It's called A Framework for Understanding Poverty by Ruby Payne, okay. P-A-Y-N-E. Okay. You can get it on just Amazon or anywhere. Okay. And yes, it's very interesting. And um, w- one of the unwritten rules of, of folks in poverty is that the TV is always on. It's cranked up to the max. And anybody can talk over anybody at any time. Sure. Yeah. Well... You know, we're not used to that. Right. (laughs) But if you understand where these kids are coming from and what they're used to and what rules they're used to following for their lives, you can understand their behaviors better. And so um, I feel like learning more about that is allowing me to just better serve them. And we're servants. That's what we are. That's what we're doing, you know. So it's super interesting. I would encourage anybody that wants to learn more about that to read that. And again, you're creating that better understanding of these situations. Yeah. Not every child might have that specific situation. Right. But the better we can understand somebody's scenario or background, the better equipped we're going to be to serve them and to provide for them. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we know that kids living in poverty are seven times more likely to experience physical abuse, um, substance abuse in the home, um, domestic violence, things like that. Just, um, it's just the statistics. It's not a personal judgment of mine. It's just the harsh reality of the world that we live in. So that being said, those are the exact kids that are getting pulled out of their homes and put into foster care. So you can pretty safely bet that if you have a child placed with you, they've lived in some form of poverty or another. And to just know that it's a, it's a different mindset than what you're probably used to can just better equip you to be ready for that. Yeah. What would you say to the people out there who are maybe considering becoming foster families? Mm -hmm. Maybe they are, and they're struggling with attachment and that fear. Letting go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We don't want to do this. The number one thing people say all the time. First of all, people are so kind and nice and they want to praise you all the time for doing foster care. I don't know how you do what you do. I don't you know, and it's a compliment. I get that. Um, and then the next thing that they always say is I could never do that. I would get too attached. Um, you know, <laughs> I know that they mean well when they say that. Um, but what some, what some of us hear is, but you can do it because you must not get attached to kids. You're not that loving, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) and that's not the case. We get very, very attached and you're supposed to get attached. These kids need attachment. Some of them have never experienced that. Um, So what I would say that I have learned is that, um, you know, yes, you will get attached to kids that come into your home. Now, you will not get attached to the same level to every child. And you got to be okay with that too. Not every kid that you um, take care of is going to click with you and fill your heart like some others will. I mean, that's just human nature. And um, I think you got to be realistic about that too. You're not going to just fall in love with every child that you care for. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It has to be okay, you know. Um, But you will fall in love with some of them and um, we've experienced that in our family um, with one of the children that we had here that just was so much a part of our family and we just we just loved him beyond belief and still do Um, and so when they leave it's hard I've experienced two different types of kids leaving one was I got a call in the morning and that child had to be brought back by five o'clock that afternoon. And how long had you had that? Child? That that not very long, okay. a month. Okay. But what, I was totally blindsided by that because the circumstances and the situation, everything about the situation, told me that that child was going to be with us for a long time. And so then suddenly to find out that they were not, um, I think the shock of that and just the fear of what's going to happen to them. You know, um, so we've been through that and that was, that was really hard. That was hard. That was hard because I had to call my girls at school and crying, of course, because I'm emotional and, and tell them that that child wasn't going to be there when they got home from school. And so, um, that was hard. And then we've experienced loss in the form of knowing that a child was leaving for like three weeks. We knew this child was leaving and, um, I thought that would be better and easier. 
And in some ways it was because we were a little bit more prepared. But when it came down to really saying goodbye, um, goodbye is goodbye. And it's hard no matter what the situation is. So I just don't know which way is easier or harder. But the bottom line is I'm an adult. I have my husband to lean on. My girls have my husband and I to lean on. We also have parents, grandparents, friends, other foster families who have been through similar situations that we connect with. And I just, I just remind myself, we are equipped to handle this kind of loss as stable adults um, and as a stable family unit that we are. We are equipped to handle that. We can handle that. Um, and so if we can be that for kids who should just never have to experience things that they do, it, it makes it all worth it. You know, um, I was thinking about this yesterday because I knew you were going to ask me this. <laughs> and so, so my husband and I, our dynamic is I'm super emotional. I want something. I want it now. Um, I don't like to not know what the plan is and, and I want to keep everybody and just, you know, have like, uh, bam, and haul them all around. Me too. (laughs) We'll have our bands together. He's like, we're not getting another, we're not getting a bigger vehicle because you will just fill it up with car seats. I know. But, um, it's a nice balance because he's a little bit more level He's a lot more like level headed. And so he will remind me all the time. We are doing our job. We are here to provide a loving home and nurture these kids as long as they need us. This is not about us needing them. This is about them needing us. And that is our role. And that's what we're doing. And so he kind of brings me back to center that way. And so that's what I mean when I say we have each other. We have a family that you know, the four of us are not going anywhere. We know that we're strong and, um, you will get through it. You'll, you will get through it. You're, you're equipped for that. You know, we have the tools for that grieving process and the support for that. And so, um, not, not to make it sound easy, but you just have to know that you will get through that. And you're right. You know, you said something earlier. Some of those letting those are going to be harder than others. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you are going to quote unquote fall in love maybe with some more than others. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that you provide them with less care. No, you no. Care for them all equally. I think, but I understand what you're. They're just some of the kiddos that come in your home. They're going to click with your family. Yes. and they're just going to fit. In, yep. In. Yep. Um, you absolutely have to be okay with that. Yes, I agree. You so, know. so that that's what I would tell people. You will get through it. You can handle it. You know, um, you're a lot stronger than you think you are. And another thing is that I initially, when we started this, I pictured myself sort of protecting my girls' hearts from that pain and loss. Um, I thought that I could, <clears throat> if I behaved a certain way, and I'll, like that I could protect them from that. And so, um, but when it came down to children leaving us, there's just no way that I could get through it or that we could get through it without all of us just getting real and being real and showing our emotions and supporting each other. And um, when I look back at that, I think what a gift because my girls have now seen my husband and I, and especially me, you know, cry. And then guess what? Stop crying. And it's not that I don't think of those kids and pray for them and wonder how they're doing. And sometimes something will happen and I just cry because I miss 
a hug from a particular child or, you know, um, but my girls get to see me be okay, even though things are hard and better than okay, actually. And, um, and so I think there are a lot of lessons that you can learn from opening your home up that you, you don't even realize you're going to learn until you do it. Well, clearly look at your daughter and yeah. what this experience has done for her. Yeah. And the organization yeah. that she has created. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's done amazing things yeah. for your family. It's very, it's been very inspiring for everybody. And it touches all of your family. I mean, my, my parents, they did not, they've never been in this situation to be foster grandparents. And I would say it has enhanced their lives. Um, my husband's mom and his grandparents and his dad, you know, it has enhanced all of our lives. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, we, um, only have a few minutes okay. left, but there are a couple things that you had said to me that I want to bring up. So, okay. you know, one going back to this idea that you wanted to protect your children. Yeah. Right? And you had said to me, you're going to be surprised what your children can handle. Yes. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so I would say to anybody that's thinking to themselves, I wish we could do foster care. I, maybe we'll do that later, or I, I would like to do that, but I don't think my kids could handle sharing me as a mom. I don't think my kids can handle this, that, or the other thing. I would say to you, um, why don't you let your kids determine what they can handle or not? And you'll know. Mm-hmm. And you'll know if two kids is too many and you need to go down to right. one, or yeah. you'll know if four is too many and you need to go down to three. Or the um, ages. That or the ages for, are yeah. not working yeah. or whatever. But your children's hearts are so much bigger and more capable of handling this than you probably even realize. My, my girls have completely amazed me and blown away, blown me away with their capacity to care for a total stranger. Um, you know, I didn't know how that was going to go with them. And I've been, we've been so blessed by the experience. And um, I just would, I just would challenge you to, to, let your kids surprise you because I think they will. And think of just how much they're going to learn. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know I, I've heard kiddos advocating. I mean, they're fifth graders and they're talking to kids at school about how they do foster care. And yes. They're like advocating for these kids and educating the kids in their class. And I'm like, oh, this is yeah. amazing. It's, I, I have to say there, it is not all roses and rainbows. No. It, it is not. I mean, it is, it is difficult at times and you struggle as a family at times, but you, you, you move through it as a family too, and you're stronger for it. Um, one particular conversation we had when the, when we first couple months into this and things were, things were tough. We had taken on, I would, what too many for us, I would say we've, we've hammered that out now and we know, I know our limit now. So, but, um, and, and we had to sit down and have a talk with our girls cause everybody was kind of losing it a little bit. And we sat down, um, Chuck and the girls and I, and, um, and their, their dad, Chuck, as a kind of the leader of the family. And he, he said to them, we're, we're going to work through this, but, um, this is non-negotiable. We are doing this. We are the adults. We've made the decision to do this. We know what's best for our family and for you guys, whether you think we do or not, because you're teenagers, you know? <laughs> and, um, and he just said, this is what our family does. We are doing this. And he said to the girls, I want you to think about the fact that um, we are building a legacy. That's what we're doing in our family. And 
that conversation changed a lot in our house to hear it from him that I'm leading this and this is what we're doing and you're part of this team and this is what our family is going to be known for um, or this is what we're going to know ourselves for. That serve this is, God. these are the type of people that we are going to be yep. non-negotiable. Yep. And so that, that flipped a switch too. So you have to be solid in your own foundation and you're the leader of your family. Your kids will follow your lead. Right. And like you said, too, one thing that we talked about um, is how you handle that loss when they leave. They're yeah. going to see that, you know, yep. and they're going to copy and mimic that behavior. Yep. And you know, they're learning from you. So yep. um, just in how you leave. Um, we have about a minute left. Okay. And I want you to touch on the attachment piece and how you explained it to me in the sense of our family members. We know everybody's going to pass. For example, oh, yeah. Right? So, yeah. So when I think about um, not getting the experience of taking a child into your home because you're afraid of losing them because you likely you will, they will likely move on from your home. And I think we all have wonderful relationships with friends, best friends, cousins, aunts, grandparents, our own parents, our own children. Would you give up the opportunity to have that person in your life or in your family because of the fact that you know that you won't have them forever? Of course you wouldn't. And there is a similarity here. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I just loved how you explained that because it's just different perspectives of yeah. looking at it from a different way. Yeah. So, um, so we only have 30 minutes <laughs> to be able to record okay. on this. So we, we can go on forever, can't we? And I feel like we're going to have to do a follow-up episode yeah. down the road and That's talk fine. about some more things with mm-hmm. you if that's sure. possible. But for now, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to share your perspective and your experience about foster care and yeah we're gonna have to do a follow-up so okay thank you again for your time everybody listening thank you for tuning in to episode three with melissa arts Uh, stay tuned for episode four and hopefully a future podcast with melissa thank you everybody bye-bye